Thank you so much for that great singing. Boy, that's inspiring, isn't it? I invite you to open your Bible to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. Luke, chapter 17. Today we're going to talk about faith. How to understand faith. How to understand faith. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in that wonderful name of Jesus. We ask you please for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts to help us to understand faith, to appropriate faith, to live by faith. Help us to do this and thereby to be more than overcomers. Because truly this is the the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So please, we know that it's important in your sight. Make it important in ours. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now faith really is a very important subject in the Bible. My research has shown that The subject of faith is spoken of 360 times in the Bible. And that's just about one time for every day in the year, isn't it? No wonder the just shall live by faith. In Luke chapter 17, the first few verses, our Lord warns about temptations to sin. So in verse 5, the the apostles... They say something. Let's read verse 5 out loud together, everyone, shall we? Let's read. And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. Probably three of the sweetest words that God can hear. Increase our faith. Increase our faith. And so in verse 6, our Lord told how that even a little bit of faith can do the miraculous. The Lord said, If ye had faith, as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. We're talking about faith today, folks. There's a lot of different ideas of what faith is out there. And some people have the idea that faith is a very emotional kind of thing. That faith uh, means some sort of emotional feeling, like perhaps a warm glow. And when they feel that warm glow, then they think they have faith. There are many people that are accused of being emotional. Then there are those people who think that faith is more like kind of a, a, a feeling your way along, like a groping in the darkness. And there are many people that have been accused of groping. However, both those ideas are absolutely completely wrong. With all seriousness, we find in the Bible, every successful godly person obtained their success by faith. That is very evident in the Bible. Otherwise, all they could ever have is wood, hay, and stubble. Now there's something that we need to be careful of. If you and I are not living our lives by faith, then when we get to heaven and we're expecting reward, we may find it's all burned up. There's no faith involved. That we behave very much like how the world behaves. The world doesn't use faith. The world lives by sight. 
And if we behave that way, how much better are we than the world? The Lord calls upon us to live by faith. Very, very true. So what in the world is faith? What is it? Many people say, well, it just simply means trust. The word faith means trust. Now granted, there's some truth there, but if that's all the word faith meant, then why do we have the word faith? Why, why don't we just have the word trust? Why do we have faith mentioned 360 times in the Bible? Why do we have to clutter our minds up with another word if all it means is trust? Maybe there's more to faith than trust. Now, trust is found in all walks of life. You'll find trust in married life. You'll find trust in business life. You'll find trust between friends, trust between countries. The word trust means to have confidence in someone or confidence in something. You have trust in that pew in which you're sitting right now. You trust it to support your weight and the weight of the person beside you and the person beside them. If all of a sudden you heard a, a loud crack noise and felt a little jarring sort of a, a feel, you'd jump out of that quick, wouldn't you? <gasps> it's going to fall apart. You would quickly lose trust. Now, trust can be a work of men. And businesses usually work hard to build and earn customers' trust. They want people to trust their services or trust their products. Trust can also be a work of the devil as well. Case in point, the voodoo witch doctor who wants the people to trust that his spells are working. Or perhaps the devil, listen to this, will try and get a Christian to trust more in themselves than in God. Now you know that happens. We struggle against that. Well, that brings us now to the word faith. If trust means to have confidence in someone or something, then what about faith? Well, it's sort of born on the back of the word trust, but it's more than simple trust. The word faith is a, is a, a word in a class of its own, and that's why we have that word in the Bible. There's trust, and then there's faith. And I'd like to suggest to you it's the greater of the two. Faith is a, a precious word, and it refers to what I'm going to call heavenly trust. Heavenly trust. Now, here's the difference. It's something that is not worked up of man. It's something that's brought down by God. And I think that this is the, the essence, the key behind the word faith. It's not what you can make yourself to believe. Some people stand in front of a mirror every day and they look at themselves and they say, you're not so bad. Hold your chin up. You'll get through. You can do it, boy. You can do it. And they're trying to build up their confidence, build up their trust. Well, you can't do that. In this case, faith is something that must come down from heaven. It's, it's like the word revival. We often long for and, and live for and pray for revival amongst God's people. But it's not something that can be worked up. It's something that must be heaven sent. And faith is something that is heaven sent. I call it heavenly faith. Heavenly faith. Heavenly trust. It's a confidence that God gives us. It's not a work of man. 
it enables us to have full confidence in what God says he will do or full confidence in what God asks us to do. Either one. Now the Bible teaches us many things about faith, but I want to quickly give you three right now, just real fast. Number one, faith is a gift from God. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that, reference back to the faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Some people think when it says, and that not of yourselves, it's referring to the grace. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that, they say it refers back to the grace, and that not of yourselves. Well, that's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. It would be like you trying to save yourself. That doesn't work. Never could, never can, never will. It's the faith. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that, that faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You know why some people are not saved? Because they don't have the gift of God. They don't have faith. It's not been given to them to be saved. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Second thing, faith comes by reading the Bible. This one I'm sure we all know. Romans 10, 17. So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by reading the Bible. Why is it that some men, some women don't get saved? They don't read the Bible. They make it a habit not to read the Bible. So therefore, they'll never get faith. Number three, faith is the only way we can possibly please God. There is no other way. Hebrews chapter 11, 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. That's why the just shall live by faith. So real Bible heavenly faith is when God gives us the ability to believe what he says to, is true. Whew. You know what you and I need to do? We need to ask God for more faith. That's why the disciples here, the apostles said in Luke 17, 5, Lord, increase our faith. Why didn't Jesus say, well, you do it. You go ahead, you do it. John chapter 2, Jesus turned the water into wine. And so he said to the servants, fill up these stone water pots with water. Well, why didn't Jesus do it? Because that was something that the servants could do. Oh. And so they went and they filled the stone water pots with water. And then Jesus turned the water into wine. Well, wait a minute. Why didn't the servants turn the water into wine? Because that was something that only Jesus could do. Make sense? We call it a divine human cooperative. We have a part. God has a part. God's not going to do His part until we do our part. It takes faith. We need to ask God for more faith. You're here today and you have faith in God. Hallelujah. Why not ask Him for more faith? Why not ask God to increase your faith? Because the just shall live by faith, and without faith it is impossible to please God. You want to please God? Then live by faith. How do I get more faith? You ask God for it. And read the Bible, of course. Someone says, well, what about my feelings? Feelings seem to find their way into a lot of different areas of life, don't they? Along with faith, feelings may, may come. 
But feelings are not a part of faith. If they come, they come. If they don't, they don't. Maybe today, someone here didn't feel like going to church this morning. I don't know. Maybe you felt that. You got up to, oh, I don't feel like going to church today. But you came anyhow. You came by faith. You didn't come by feeling because you didn't feel like coming. But you came by faith. That pleases God. Maybe next Sunday you'll feel like coming, and that's fine, but you still come by faith. Don't come by feeling. If we would just get a hold of that one truth, it would change our lives. Some men only love their wife when they feel like it. Well, what kind of a relationship is that? And so, Lord, increase our faith. Heavenly faith in my way of thinking, is almost like a living thing. And you know, I've been thinking more about this, and I kind of almost think it is some kind of living thing, because everything from God seems to have life attached to it. Heavenly faith seems to have a life of its own. But it must be fed. You must feed your faith. If I were to ask you, how many here have faith in God? I'm sure every hand would raise. I'd say, that's wonderful. Did you feed your faith today? Have you been feeding your faith? I have at home, I have an aquarium with a few fish in it. Nice little fellas. By the way, we just had babies. Little guppies or something. They're tiny little wee creatures. Two of them. You know what would happen if I don't feed them? Did you ever hear the story of the, uh, the man? I think he was from Scotland. And he uh, bought himself a, a donkey off of a, uh, another farmer. He was a farmer. Bought a donkey from another farmer. And uh, oh, about a year later, the two farmers, they met up again at the general store. And the first one asked the second one, well, how's that uh, donkey doing that I, I sold you? And he said, oh, he died. He died? Oh, no, what happened? Well, I don't understand it, he said. You know, to save money, I started systematically cutting back on the amount of food I would feed him. And I got him right to the point where he, he didn't eat anything. And then he up and died on me. Go figure. What's going to happen to your faith if you don't feed it? Hmm? Your faith needs to be fed. That's very true in order to grow. And this is why some Christians have great faith. And this is why some Christians have little faith. The apostles felt they had little faith. And so they said to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. And so to better understand faith, that's the title of today's message here, how to understand faith. In order to understand faith better, I want to leave with you now three important things. The first one we've already dealt with. It's called a heavenly trust. That's the first important thing we need to know about faith. It's a heavenly trust. We've covered this already in our definition of faith. But I'm going to say it once more anyhow. Real, true, Bible, heavenly faith is a wonderful sense of confidence that God gives us in what He says to be true. That's what real faith is. If you want real faith or more real faith, you've got to ask God for it. But heavenly faith, listen to this, it must be directed somewhere or at something. You can't just have faith floating around out there. Imagine a man 
who says, oh, I, I have trust. And we say, oh, what do you trust in? Oh, I'm not sure, but I sure trust. You'd say, that sounds kind of odd. I agree. Faith must have a place to sit down. Faith must have a resting place. Faith must have a foundation or a platform on which to build. You can't just have faith floating around for nothing. You have to have faith in something. So, heavenly faith needs a heavenly target. That's point number two. Point number one, a heavenly trust, just to keep it all alliterated. Point number two, a heavenly target. So far, so good? Yes? Okay. So, what in the world could the target be? There's only one target. There's only one place where faith can comfortably, properly sit down. And that's the Word of God. The Word of God. That's the target. Eliza Edmonds Hewitt was born in 1851. She was a Christian woman who pretty much all of her life suffered a lot of physical pain. When she was 40 years old in 1891, she decided she'd write a poem about her faith. And so she got out the, the, uh, the quill and the uh, bottle of ink, dipped it in there, and on the piece of paper started writing these words. My faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust the ever-living one, his wounds for me shall plead. Now listen, she wrote, My heart is leaning on the Word, the written Word of God. Salvation by my Savior's name, salvation through His blood. And what we know as the chorus, I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that He died for me. It got turned into a hymn. It's in our hymn book. Isn't that wonderful? It's a wonderful poem, a wonderful truth. A woman that went through life with far more pain than I think I'll ever see this side of glory. And yet she had a faith probably much stronger than mine. And her faith was placed in the Word of God. That's where you put your faith, folks. Heavenly faith must have a heavenly target a place to rest, and that target is none other but the Word of God. The Bible with its instructions and all of its promises, that's where you put your faith. You know, it wasn't, Noah, it wasn't Noah's brilliance, it wasn't Noah's ingenuity that foresaw the coming flood. It was his faith in what God said. That's what made the difference in Noah's life. He put faith in the heavenly target, God's Word. God said it, I believe it. That settles it. Someone else has said, God said it, that settles it. Doesn't matter if I believe it or not, that settles it. Whatever God says is true, is true. His yea is yea, and his nay is nay. A man who says he has faith, but he doesn't know quite what he's got faith in, well, to be honest, he's a bit of a fool. And so also is the man who puts his faith in something other than the Bible, other than the Word of God. He also is trifling with, with error and foolishness. Some people try to put faith in what their heart tells them to do. What a horrendous mistake. God's Word, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
We must put our faith in what God has written. If you're here today and you're holding in your hand a copy of the Word of God, you are a blessed person. You are. You need to put your faith in what God has written. It fits hand in hand, key in lock. And this is really the the simple reason why so many Christians stumble and have trouble in life. They can't seem to overcome bad habits. They can't seem to rise above. It's because their faith is not being put in the Word of God. That's sad, but it's true. You and I, we need to search the Bible and look for God's instructions. As you read the Bible, and I hope you do, be reading it with this in mind. Lord, what do you want me to do? What is your will for me? And also, while you're reading the Bible, look for his promises, where he says, if you will do this, I will do that. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. There shall not be room enough to receive it. There's a promise of God right there. Look anxiously for his instructions and for his promises. It's all in there. You'll find it. But as I said earlier, some people make it a habit not to read the Bible. And these people have little or no faith. And by the way, you don't need a huge amount of faith to see God working in your life. You don't. Look in Luke 17. Look at verse 6 once again. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now some of you have mustard seed probably as a spice in your home. You'll know that these are tiny little critters. Just maybe a little bigger than a, a, a grain of sand. Maybe the size of head of a pin or something like that. It's a tiny little thing. Mustard seed. But Jesus said if you have faith that even that much. And that's not very much. Ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root. Now, guys, did you get that picture of the sycamine tree? you have that? Pull that up, would you? I found you a picture of a sycamine tree, just so that you can see what this thing looks like. We're not talking about a, a little shrub. You know, here, if you had faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this little dandelion, Be thou plucked up! And cast into the sea. Now what kind of faith would that take? Huh? Pull up a dandelion weed. But rather a sycamine tree. Did you find the picture yet? Yeah. Five, four, three, two, one and a half. One and point two five. It's coming, folks. Those Christmas, I know. They'll get it. Anyhow, they'll, they'll find it and they'll put it up here for you. The sycamine tree is ginormous. It's huge. Can you imagine the root system underground that this thing has? It's phenomenal, fantastic. You can almost see it in your mind's eye. Well, you see it by faith right now. You'll see by sight in just a moment. Uh, they'll get it. There we go. Yeah. Look how it dwarfs everything. Lord, increase our faith. Jesus said to them, if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this, this tree, 
be plucked up by the roots. Now, I don't know if anyone here has actually secretly tried to do this. I don't know if, if anyone here today has actually, when they've been by themselves, well, Lord, here we go. I'm going to start with this oak tree, okay? Be thou plucked up by thy roots. And what happened? Nothing. Right? Yeah, I tried that one, Pastor, and it never worked. You're missing the point. Faith goes where? Who can tell me? Where? Where do you put your faith? In God's Word. Did God tell you to speak to the tree? No, He didn't. But if God ever did tell you to speak to the tree, be thou plucked up, all you need is faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, and it will obey you. But was it God's will for that oak tree or that pine tree or that even that dandelion you tried it on? No. But what about other things? There are other things that God tells you to do. And if you have just a a grain of mustard seed size of faith. Some people are saved. They've never been baptized. They've never followed the Lord in the waters of baptism for one reason or another. All you need is faith the size of a tiny little mustard seed. That's all you need. Just to believe what God has said. And it'll happen. Some people are afraid to be baptized for whatever reason. Afraid to become members for whatever reason. But it's good, it's biblical to be baptized and join the church. Some people are afraid to be a soul winner for whatever reason. But it's biblical to be a soul winner. All you need is the tiniest little bit of faith. You don't need a mountain full of faith. The tiny little bit of faith in what God has said. It'll happen. When I finish preaching, I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. I'm going to invite you to come on the invitation. Some of you come regular on an invitation. God bless you. Some of you feel, I need to go forward. I need to go forward. God wants me to go forward. But I'm scared. I'm scared of what others will think. Maybe they'll think I'm not right with God or something. You know what you need? A tiny seed of faith. That's all you need to come forward. Jesus called people forward a lot. You know that. Interesting thought, isn't it? And so, we say this, the amazing thing about putting our heavenly faith in our heavenly target is that it produces more faith. If you will put your faith in that book, you will in return get more faith. You say, how do you know that? Keep your finger there in Luke. Turn to the right. Go past the, the Gospels, past Acts, to the book of Romans. Turn there, would you please? Go to chapter 10. Romans, chapter 10. We hear the rustling of pages and the clicking of keys. Romans chapter 10. I'd like to get you to help me to read one verse here. Verse 17. I'd like you to read it out loud with me together. Here we go. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
The more of the Word of God you read, the more of the Word of God you hear read, the more your faith will grow. You put your faith in God's Word and start reading it and studying it every day, looking for instructions and promises, your faith will grow. Pastor, I I have just such a small faith. Well, you need to come forward on the invitation and pray, Lord, increase my faith. And then go home and start today. Say, where do I start? Why don't you start in Psalms and Proverbs? Why don't you start there? When you finish that, come and get one of the Bible reading guides and start working your way through the Bible. It's all good. It's all His Word. You can pretty much start anywhere you want, but you ought to read the whole Bible through looking for His instructions and His promises. When you read the Bible through and read the Bible through and read the Bible through again, you'll learn more and more and more. Your faith will grow and grow and grow. Peter said, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word. Now he's not just talking to to infant, um, infant Christians, brand new babies in Christ. He's talking to all of us. He's saying, just as these babies are hungry for their mother's milk, so you and I ought to be hungry for God's Word. I ask you, how hungry are you for God's Word every day? Do days go by without you even opening the Bible? You can fix that. You can pray, Lord, increase my faith. And you can start reading, reading what He has to say. Little faith becomes great faith when we put it in the Word of God. You know, there's a story about, a, to illustrate this, a man took his son and his son's buddy next door, the little neighbor boy from next door. He took both of the boys and he put them up on this six-foot ledge that he had in his house. And, and he said to, to the boys, jump into my arms. Well, right away his own son jumped into his father's arms. But the neighbor boy was scared. He was hesitant and scared. And the reason he was scared was because he didn't know this man as much as the son knew the man. Doesn't that make sense? A son will put more trust in his father than the neighborhood boy will. Now, are you a son or daughter of God? Yes or no. You either are or you aren't. And if you're God's son or if you're God's daughter, how much do you trust your heavenly father? When your heavenly father says, do thus and so in the Bible, do you trust him? Why is it that we have to have faith anyhow? Can't we just live by sight? The answer is no. No, we have to have faith. The short answer, I suppose, is because that's the way to live successfully. Romans 1.17 says, The just shall live by faith. I preface the message uh, this morning by saying that every successful godly man or woman in the Bible was successful by faith, not by sight. This brings us to point number three. A heavenly task. A heavenly task. Just in keeping with the alliteration here. We all need a heavenly faith or a heavenly trust in a heavenly target because there's a heavenly task for us to do. What does that mean? It means God has jobs for us. God has work for us to do. And this is why we need faith. In order to serve the Lord and live for God and really, honestly, to be successful. God's kind of success. Where there's peace. Where there's joy. 
where there's blessings. That's the kind of success we're talking about. Heavenly faith must always result in works or what we call here a heavenly task. James 2.20 says, But wilt thou know, O vain man, faith without works is dead. And then in verse 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. You claim to be saved. You claim to love the Lord. I'm not questioning. I'm not doubting. But I'm wondering, where is your ministry? Where are your works? What is it you're doing for the Lord? What are you doing to serve the Lord? That's the task. What are you doing? Faith without works is dead. If there are no works whatsoever, no godly works in your life, you need to question whether your faith is alive or dead. And that's another reason why I think faith from God is a living thing. Why do we need heavenly faith? Why do we need this? Folks, there are mountains to climb. There are lost souls that need to get witnessed to. There are children that need to be taught right. There are things that need to be happening. Missionaries that need to be supported. Spiritual battles that are going to require a shield of faith, if you've ever read that in Ephesians. When Joshua and the Israelites entered the promised land, their first battle was against the city of Jericho one of the greatest cities of that time. It had tremendously thick, tremendously high walls. Impenetrable. Their plan was to obey God. They put their faith in what God said. And what did God tell them to do? Does anyone remember? What was it? March around the the city? Yeah. It was once a day for seven days, and then on the seventh day, seven times. What kind of battle plan is that? What kind of strategy is that? That doesn't make any sense. Lord, aren't we forgetting the cannons? We need cannons. We need dynamite, Lord. Where are the catapults? The trebuchet. There's another word. Trebuchet. There's one to look up when you go home. Google that. Where are the trebuchets? How about the crossbows and the bows and arrows, all of the implements of war? Lord, what are you talking about? March around it. But they did it by faith. And when they did their part, they marched around it. God did his part and brought the walls down. It wasn't Joshua and the Israelites' brilliance that brought the walls down, was it? It was their faith in what God said to do. We're talking about understanding faith. And faith is something that God gives. And we need to feed. He's given you the goldfish. Now you need to feed them every day. Or He's given you a little fifi or foo-foo and it needs to be fed. Your faith is in you. And it must grow. Lord, increase my faith. Then feed it. Act upon it. I think this is so important. Recently, we've been given a heavenly task. A job set before us to climb out of the wilderness and into the promised land. And folks, it's time. It really, after 20 years as a church, it's time for us to get into a building of our own. We can't grow anymore. We can't grow in order to serve. That's why we grow, in order to serve 
That's why we do it. And we're asking God for a miracle, and not a little miracle either. We're asking God for a big miracle, a great big whopper of a miracle. Say, well, what do you want a big building for? To reach a big city. 600,000. Say, you won't fit 600,000 in that building or any building. I know it. But we'll fit a whole lot more in with that building than we can with this building. Would you not agree? Sure. Little boy on the beach. He's with a slingshot firing rocks up into the air. And a man asked him, What are you doing, son? He said, I'm shooting rocks at the moon. And the man laughed. He says, You'll never, you'll never get those rocks to the moon. And the boy looked at him. He says, I'm getting a lot closer than you are. <laughs> True. What do you want a big building for? To reach a big world. That's why. And I'll be honest with you right now. I've been almost 40 years in the ministry and I can tell you that with bigger ministries come bigger problems, bigger stress, bigger headaches. What do you want that for? To serve my king. I don't mind the problems. It's the end result. It's the glory of God. It's soul saved, baptized, added to the church, growing uh, in Christ. Homes that were decimated by sin, now brought back together and renewed because of the gospel. Men and women being called to full-time ministry and trained in a Bible college. Man, that's fruit. That's good stuff. And to get there is a battle. That's why I don't mind the battle. That's why I don't mind also when my knee goes out at me at 2 o'clock in the morning. On a Friday morning, because I know God makes no mistakes. This the old devil may be trying to get me discouraged, trying to say, quit! I'm not going to. Because the hour of my greatest suffering and greatest temptation comes before the hour of my greatest victory. And I'm not giving up. We've got a tremendous opportunity before us. But I want you to understand something. It's not how much money we have. Even if we were sitting on $50 million, doesn't mean we can buy that building. It's not how much money we have, it's how much faith we have. That's what makes the difference. Well, where are we going to get that much faith? I know. Do you? Lord, increase our faith. That's where we're going to get more faith from. And I hear back his word, feed what you've already got and see what happens. Folks, every one of us need to be in the Bible every day to feed our faith. We have a challenge before us. A couple Sundays ago, I announced, let's raise a million dollars. I could hear the, no way, no way, that'll never happen. No one said it with their voice. But I heard it in the hearts. The reason we say that is because we walk by sight. This building that we're sitting in here, do you realize we got this building by faith? Do you realize that? This building, 20 years ago when I first moved to town, this building was advertised in the local newspaper. 
Another group had come into town and poured a quarter of a million dollars 20 or more years ago, taking two uh, commercial units and making them into one big kind of a church unit. And I opened the newspaper, it didn't even open the front page, in fact. And I said, Lord, look at that. Why is it that some people have all of the luck? And I think those are the words I used 20 years ago. I didn't know it. But God was preparing this building for us. We've been in here eight years now. Not bad, huh? Not bad. All we had to do to come in here was everyone pick up a pew, walk across the street. Here we are. It was turnkey. That building up there has been sitting empty for 20 years. Don't you find that strange? What if God was keeping his hand on it for a church such as ours to say, by faith, we're leaving the wilderness. By faith, we're going to go in the promised land. Oh, don't you know there are going to be struggles in the promised land? Oh, we know it, but that's okay for the glory of God. Don't you know there will be a few battles in the promised land? We understand it, but for the glory of God, we're going to do it. We'll win. If God gives us the building, he'll give us everything we need for the building. Does that make sense? Well, what's our part? Let's raise a million dollars. How do we do that? We go to God and say, help. That's what we do. And then we say, is there anything I can do, Lord? I told you the story of the farmer and Hercules. I'll tell it to you again. I love the story. The farmer whose cart went off the road into the ditch and he couldn't get the cart out. And he saw Hercules, the mythological strongman. He's, oh, Mr. Hercules, please help me. My cart went off the road into the ditch. Hercules said, I'll come and help you. And so as Hercules got down into the ditch, he looked up and saw the farmer just standing there with his arms crossed, not bothering to help whatsoever. Why should Hercules help the guy if he's not even willing himself to roll up his sleeves and try and pull? Why should God open the windows of heaven and give us the millions and millions of dollars necessary if we're not even willing to say, what can I do to help make the miracle happen? See, this is, this is where faith comes in. Faith in what God has said. You see that? Lord, increase our faith. Now listen, maybe you're here today and you're not even born again into God's family. You know what you need to do? You need to say, Lord, give me the faith to be saved. The faith to be born again. Maybe you, you've heard my preaching before. Still not saved. Maybe in your heart of hearts you could cry out to God. God, I know you're there. God, give me the faith to believe that I'm a sinner, lost, separated, on my way to hell. Give me the faith to believe that Jesus is God in the flesh who died for my sins on the cross, was dead, buried, and rose again from the dead, conquering death. Give me the faith to pray and ask Jesus to forgive my sins, to come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. It doesn't take a lot of faith. And He'll give it to you if you'll ask Him. Let's stand to our feet now for just a word of prayer.